Hello, hello, it's your buddy Raymond, and welcome to the Entrepusician audio experience. I should have picked a better name. That sure is a mouthful to say, but I've already committed to it, so here we are. In this episode, I talked to my buddy Nick Rose. He's been a huge part of my life for a long time. Um, and over the last few years, we kind of fell out of contact because that's just kind of how adulthood is. You get married, you get kids, you know, you don't talk to your friends maybe as much as you would like to. But really looking back, this guy had a huge impact on my life. You know, he was there when I was trying to make it as an artist. He was there when I made the segue into running a recording studio. And then, of course, all of that led to me getting into investing and doing the consultancy and just sort of diving deeper and deeper into entrepreneurship. So I don't, think he really, I don't think he really realizes how much of an impact he had on me, but I thought I would use this as an opportunity to express that. We talked about quite a few things, and just to give a little context, Nick is in a band called Funeral Moon, and what's great about Funeral Moon is that they're a Dayton local band, and I don't think they have aspirations to be much more than that, but the way they're doing it is so it's compelling it's interesting it's unique it's entertaining and the reason i wanted to talk with him and the reason i you know have put this conversation out there is because i think a lot of the things that he's doing could be applied by bands that are maybe a little bit more career focused you know nick is a very smart very clever very witty guy and I really believe like if he really wanted to, he could hang with the most successful, most forward-thinking artists out there. But he seems to be pretty happy where he is, which is absolutely respectable. Now, before we get on with the conversation, I wanted to uh, first acknowledge that this audio experience thing has kind of taken a back burner for me over the last month or so. But as I'm having more of these conversations, I think what I'll do is just repurpose them for this format because uh, I had quite a few people message me asking when I was going to do more stuff like this because a lot of you guys are, you know, you're at work, you know, you can't necessarily go and read all my posts and read all the uh, blog, the blog articles I write or go through the videos, but a sort of medium form um, audio experience seems to work well. So in the interest of serving you guys who are doing that, I'm going to uh, make this more of a priority going forward. So I'm going to upload this episode, and then I'm going to upload another one probably in the next few minutes um, with my buddy Charlie, who runs a concert experience. It's a band, but it includes a lot more than that. But he, he runs this experience that is just really impressive. They, they pull in about um, 10000 per show. And there are like no middlemen. Him and his guys, they run the whole thing. You know, they book out the venue, they control the door, there's no promoter, there's no nothing, it's just them. So that episode I think is gonna be really cool too, especially for you guys who are trying to find ways to make more money out of your live shows. But anyway, here's my conversation with Nick. Yeah. Um I fucking love your content. I love the shit you do for Funeral Moon. It's so fucking funny. Oh, thank you. 
Dude, like, uh, I, I was actually, I remind, I reminded myself how much I love you this morning. Cause I was like, okay, I knew we were going to chat and I'm like, I know I like his stuff. I remembered the Alex Jones video you did a while back, which, you know, I fucking love that. And then I was oh, like, yeah. I was going through some of the stuff you've done since then. I'm like, man, he's so fucking funny. Like, yeah, I usually pretty much reverse engineer what I see on other, uh, sites and Facebook groups and stuff like that. Like, um. The two big ones are Evangelion and uh, this one called Berserk, which is based on like a manga and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the stuff people come up with, vile and funny in between, mm-hmm. it's awesome. That, that and learn how to video edit it on my phone. Pretty much, as far as social media, I do it all from my phone. Do you really? Us, even like video editing and stuff, yeah. That's pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering um, I, I mean, considering the stuff you do, like you're doing like a lot of overlay stuff, a lot of like, um, like, uh, you know, doing splits where, like, for example, like the, uh, like the Elon Musk one, where all oh, the, yeah. all the color switch and everything like slows down. That's all from your phone. Yeah, it's um, oh yeah, I always I always tell people if I had Sony Vegas, the things I could probably do. Yeah, um, it's uh. The- program called kinemaster it's it's a lot of people in those groups and stuff used to make videos and it has motion tracking overlay um audio filters uh video filters everything in between that's pretty nuts so you do are all of those videos from your phone mm-hmm. i haven't done one from my computer dude what a fucking time we live in right like do you remember when we were younger and like the best you had was like the uh, those flip cams remember yeah. those that and Windows Movie Maker on a computer or something like yep. that. Yeah, or maybe iMovie if you were fancy and had a Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, how far that shit has come. Like, everybody has, like, a fucking, like, you know, like, a you got a video camera and all the editing software right there in your phone. And if you're okay with doing, like, the lo-fi thing, it's, like, perfect. Like, for you guys, I mean, you're, like, a fucking sludgy doom band. Like, it's, it's oh, yeah. perfect for what you do. The VHS thing can't became our aesthetic for a minute there, it seemed like. Yeah, definitely. I thought that was cool, because, I mean, it was, like, this combination of, like, everything that I loved about, kind of like the 90s. I mean, I didn't love mm-hmm. it then, but now that's, I love it. It's, like, the, um, you got, like, the VHS look, you guys are doing the wrestling, and the beer. I'm like, oh, this is so, it reminds me of my childhood, honest to God. I'm like, oh, this is, like, it's triggering my nostalgia, and I've been, you know, I've been straight up with you. Like, your guys' music really isn't my thing, right? I'm not into, like, the sludgy doom stuff, but, like... Mm-hmm. I still love your fucking band. I talk about you all the time. I swear to God. I'm like, look, dude, it's like, it's entertaining. That's what, it, that's what I love about it. It's like, for me, it's not even, the reason I'm dialed in has nothing to do with the music. I mean, it, it's almost like in, uh, despite the music, I pay attention to you, right? Yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's what you're saying on Ian's, uh, podcast there. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that comes from, cause as busy as we are outside of it, like we don't, we obviously, I think we play mostly like a show like once a month or twice a month if we're lucky, usually. And that's from all our lives and everything else in between that. And so the reason I started making all that other stuff was simply to kind of fill the void in between. And just if people liked the entertaining stuff with the memes and dumb bullshit like that, it may lead them to the actual kind of serious stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was kind of like the VHS filters and everything like that was kind of to um, accentuate the positives and hide the negatives, like where we don't have like a friend or something like that or a guy we usually go to for video and everything like that Mm -hmm. to can do fancy cuts aside from our buddy Ryan. But 
we I don't talk to him too often, incredibly. We we're planning to do something here soon with him, but it's who knows when kind of thing. So yeah, something a little bit more robust. VHS filter on that. Yeah, so it could you could still pick up some of the audio from us practicing and like kind of riffing around, and it can be kind of a way of putting out there without us looking like you know using just like a phone camera or something like that. Mm-hmm. Some more cinematic, I guess, might be the word. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of your stuff probably do you think is always going to be that sort of like lo-fi as far as like daily content or at least like as far as like you were talking like filler content like I don't see anything wrong with what you're doing. It's like you could scale that. I mean really because like that's the aesthetic that you've signed up for really is that like sort of lo-fi gritty so you can get away with that. You could probably get away with that forever if you wanted to. Oh yeah. It's definitely um, as much of a by like chance or anything also, like, from what the kind of music we decided, whatever we want to call that, that's that's been sort of a hurdle. But, um... Defining another, yourself? Like, conscious thing. Huh? Defining it's, yourself has been a hurdle? Or how do you, how do you oh, mean? I don't... It's, it's, it's hard for me to say sludgy doom, but it's also hard for me to say on the other end of something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like Dustin said, we pretty much just call it rock and roll simply because... It can fit to either or, but also, like, if you throw it to one, some people will be like, well, that's not really Sludge or Doom, or some people will be like, well, that's uh, yeah. that's not good compared to X Metalcore or whatever. And right. A lot of stuff I've always kind of got out in front of and kind of said about ourselves before people can, like, joking about mailing comparisons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that what I like about it, about calling yourselves rock and roll, is that it just it it fits the aesthetic that you've gone for, right? Like, for me, it all feels... It, it's it's perfect how, the way it works together because it's lo-fi. You guys talk about rock and roll and drinking beer and fucking you know. Uh, oh yeah. It, it, Austin three sixteen like the whole fucking talking about Ric Flair and shit. Like it's all like just like it all works so well together. And how much of that was like a conscious effort, or and how much of that was like just like a byproduct of. of you know, who you guys are, or what was your approach as far as, like, putting all that shit together? Um, I think it's more so, because I think me and Caleb might be the only ones with the Instagram login, and I know we all kind of have control over the Facebook, but, um, at a point it was me and Caleb were going to take care of doing Instagram and Facebook, and I thought it'd be good because Caleb's good at doing Snapchat and, like, Instagram stories and stuff, and I'm not so much so, but... A lot of it is pretty much just me kind of hijacking it and being like, well, this is what I think's funny, and this is, you know, I think in general, like, the party kind of rock and roll thing is kind of something all of us are like, hell yeah, Alan. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, the dumb memes and Austin 316, because they don't, they care less about wrestling or any of that stuff. Right. That's more so me being like, well, I think this is funny, so I'll put it out there. And I usually send it to them beforehand. I'm like, check this out. To is this cool? Right. Or sure. I think it's fun. And then I just go with it anyway. Yeah. No matter what they say, you go with it. Like, that'll be fine. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's funny. It's cool that they've kind of given you license to do that, right? I mean, it's like it's better that you, um, you you have this thing that I've, I've called um, uh, decentralized command, where basically instead of having um, having everybody having to uh, like weigh in on something or having one person in charge of everything, you give um, some level of autonomy to like each member to do something right so like for uh, as far as like creating that type of content it seems like they've kind of given you the license to be like do whatever you got to do right and it makes it easier for everybody else because it's like it would suck if you had to like 
sit down with them every time and be like, okay, what are we going to make together? Right. It yeah. just logistically that I don't, I don't think that that would work well, especially cause you guys are, I mean, like you got a kid, I know Zach's got a kid, like everybody's busy. So it's like by decentralizing the command in that way, it actually makes you more effective, M makes it easier for you to show up, I would think. Right. I, I think it really comes, we let everyone do what they're good at doing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's so much conscious as much as, whoever can take it. I think, um, like, Zach is definitely, from my perspective, especially as someone who kind of, every now and then I might be like, uh, try it this way, but really I'm hands-off with the music and stuff like that, um, other than coming in doing lyrics and, like, vocals and stuff for, like, the time I have. But Zach has really taken, like, the director's seat as far as, like, kind of taking all the craziness and kind of us being just dudes doing things, making music and stuff, and really kind of funneled it into, okay, well, like kind of like Dustin was saying yesterday, he's like, mm -hmm. I like that, but let's do it this way, or I like that, and let's cut this, this, and this, and then here we have a song here. And um, Dustin is a riff engine, regardless of the 99% comment. I kind of I talked to him about that yesterday, and I was like, 99%, huh? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well. Oh, well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, and I, it's it's no big deal. It's, yeah. I I knew that beforehand when he went on. I was like, well, here we go. And then I just listened and I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, I thought it was really like, um, I thought it was. I mean, it was funny. Some of the stuff he said, I'm like, oh wow, that's like that's a lot to say, especially like, you know. But I, what I what I appreciated out of that was like, um, certainly the honesty. Like I felt like he was telling me at least sort of how he felt in that moment. I appreciated that it wasn't. Yeah that it wasn't censored and it also yeah. brought up some stuff that like, you know, and I don't know, like, I don't know how your, your band's inner working, um, how you guys sort of like work together. But a lot of the time, what I find with the bands that I talk to is that like, there's not really clear communication, like, especially when it comes to like, um, you know, uh, not quite disagreements, but things that maybe they're dissatisfied with. Like sometimes it's easier to not have the conversation than like, um, than to bring it up and have to like then deal with it, right? Like, like, um, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, like with the Caleb thing, right? Like, I was like, oh yeah, I was like, yeah, okay. he thought that was all private too. That was he the did. thing. I was like, I had a feeling as I was like, kept listening. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> I was like, it was a lie. I said explicitly, I'm like, this is a live chat. You commented on a live chat, but it's oh, like, I know. but I think like what's important about that is like, you know, the, the idea it was an unfiltered response for sure. Well, and that's what it needs to be, right? We need more unfiltered responses because that's, what's going to, you know, like, um, it doesn't seem as manufactured. I think, well, definitely. I think a lot of what you get from a lot of people is like, they kind of put on like a show face and it's like, Oh, hey guys, we're in. Yeah, everything's perfect. Nothing's going wrong. There's no struggles here, guys. It's like, yeah, but right. that's not the and reality it like, of it, right? We had an argument or anything. I was like, so, and he's like, oh no, man, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's fine. Well, <laughs> it's that, okay. That's that's kind of like what I love about, um, well, what I'm trying to do more of with the thing with the, this thing that I'm doing now. It's like I want to have more of those just authentic conversations about, like what being a band is actually like, right? Not, not the, you call it the, sh like, show face, right? Yeah, I, like the, the YouTube blogger, like, face everyone puts on when they Everything's great, guys. Like Nothing's, there. yeah, nothing well, wrong here. somebody on a podcast, they're like, oh, yeah, totally. It's, it's been like this for me and everything's right. We talked to this guy, and it's like, mm, 
It's like, no. Yeah, and, and it's like... <laughs> it's and, an exaggerated thing. Dude, and I've seen it too, because it's like, you know, I talk to bands, like, my paid consultations are all private, right? Like, it's all confidential. And, mm-hmm. man, what I love about that is that, you know, people open up to me about stuff they're dealing with, right? Like, a lot of the time, it'll be, like, one member who's been doing, like, 100% of the work, and things are going well, like, the band is growing, but it's starting to be too much for that one person to handle. So, like, they'll be talking about, I mean, it'll get pretty dark. It's like, man, it, it's too much for me to handle. Like, it's, it, I'm stressed out. I want to quit. I, I either want to quit the band or, you know, or just break up entirely because, like, I can't handle the workload. So, like, it gets, like, really dark sometimes. And... I love that. I mean, that, but, but here's the thing I see. So they'll be, they'll be in it with me and they'll be honest and they'll be like, uh, they'll get into the weeds and it'll get dark, but then they'll go do an interview and then it's like, Oh no, everything's great. There's nothing, nothing wrong here. Like, Oh no, everything's, you know, we're all super optimistic. Everybody's all in. It's like, and I know damn well, like, and I get it. I mean, I get it. Well, that's the thing I think too, is I think a lot of people see through that kind of stuff when they see some of that kind of content where it's like, hey, we have an update, guys, and then you can see it's like, you don't talk to people like that. Like, come on. Right, right. Yeah, it's it becomes like, it's like a, it almost feels like a sales pitch in a way. Like, they're trying to convince me that everything's okay. Like it's, a, what is it, um, Kickstarter thing. You're about to hear, like, the ukuleles and stuff. Like, the ding, 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 No, everything's great. No, but, yeah. but, like, that. the truth is, like, I haven't talked to, maybe it's just because of the nature of, like, the, what I do, but... Like every band that I talk to is dealing with something, right? Whether it's oh, yeah. like, you know, different levels of um, availability, different levels of commitment or um, whatever, right? There's every, every band is dealing with something, just like every relationship is the same way, right? It's like no relationship is perfect, no matter how many cute pictures they post on fucking Instagram, right? And I think it's right. the same thing with bands too, but probably multiply because you've got four or five artists who are trying to make something work together. So it's like the likelihood that it's all drama free and everything's great all the fucking time is like nil. And I would like to have more conversations about that. Especially um, with egos. Unless, you know, I think I think with us it's very cooperative and such. And a lot of a lot of times we let each other kind of be like, well, you got that hunkered down, there you go, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think some bands are fine with that. Like I think was I was listening to Ian's thing and it was um what's his name from You versus Yesterday and he was out there Kramer. talking about like who that's Kramer yeah talking about mm-hmm. like which I had no idea which that he did like kind of pretty much the whole shebang it's his baby and then you know he said like now more so it's more cooperative and it's like I think for some people they can be fine with just kind of chilling out hanging around like all right well I'm just down to play I just want to do my thing and some people it's very much like this is what I want to do. This is what I have to do. This is the way I see it. And, right. You know, when you have multiple people like that, it's where hopefully you can find some common ground on that, which for the most part we have as far as like our sound and stuff, but our kind of philosophy is like, well, it sounds good. Throw it in there. And that's like what I mean by it's not like strict guideline. So it's, that's where it's been hard to kind of say what we are exactly as far as like a genre per se, per se. like, um, Dustin was talking about like deathcore, and that's where it kind of is like if you do a certain type of music like that, specifically that because it's very there's a certain way to do it. You know, you can fall into that, and you know the Facebook communities around those kind of bands and stuff really prop them up really well. Mm-hmm. Versus us, it seems like a tightrope because 
there's a sort of air of pretentiousness with like Doom fans, you know. It's unless it sounds like Sleep or Ozzy Osbourne and Monolord, they're like, yeah, sure, right. buddy. They're unless you sound, you know, on the end where you're saying, oh, we're a sludge band, you sound like you don't sound like I hate God and stuff, where it's just flat out raw mayhem. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, sure, pal. And then you're sitting there like. Well, is there a mailing course? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, what do we do? It's, sure. it's both, you know? Right. And I think it's like, what what I'm liking, what I like about you guys, and actually it's like, I, I said that like, you guys aren't my cup of tea, but what I'm finding though is that I'm slowly opening myself up to you guys because of your content, which is really a weird way to like, it's, it's like because you're showing up and you're entertaining me, I'm more willing to give you a shot. And the more that I give you a shot, the more that I find things to appreciate about it. And I've done that with a couple bands. Like, okay, here's an example. This isn't a band, but this is an artist. Um, Post Malone was that way for me. Like, yeah, in the beginning, music's never my cup of tea, dude. And, stuff. and then just kind of seeing him like, like sing like Biohazard on his bus and stuff yeah. like that, and just like, be like, like a like, cool dude, right? Like, just be like yeah. a cool guy. I'm like, you know. Is he like my favorite rapper of all time? Maybe not, but you know, if my if my wife wanted to go see him, I'm probably gonna buy those tickets. I'm not gonna resist that, right? Or you know, if he comes on like the radio, all person, at least what he shows as a person, I'm like, sure. Well, hell yeah, especially like you look back and stuff like that. I think I've seen like some viral videos come around about like a band he was in that covered like metalcore songs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He was like doing the full blown like body bang and stuff. I'm like, huh. He's like one of he's like one of us. He's one of us guys, right? Which is cool. So it's like I couldn't tell you a Post Malone song off the top of my head, except I think maybe White Iverson. But like as yeah. far as like if someone were to ask me like you like Post Malone, my first instinct would be like yeah, and then I would hope they wouldn't be like what's your favorite song or something like that. Right. Uh. Yeah, for me it's like I like I definitely like him as a dude, right? And then that just. It, it's kind of like a gate. It almost feels like a gateway drug. Like I like him as a person, so I'm willing to give him a shot. Right, and then when I give him a shot, he has more opportunity to, um, to bring me value. Right, and it's like kind of you guys too. It's like the more you show up and you're entertaining, the more willing I am to give you a shot. Right, and build familiarity. And um, even if like okay, a, a a band that I I did I never really liked, but I still I saw I saw them at least three or four times. Foxy Shazam, you remember Foxy Yo. Shazam? Yeah. Dude, their music, never my thing, but I love their content, and their live show was incredible. Like, so I was I like... flamboyant like, singers and stuff like that, oh. so I'm like, that that was always my <laughs> cup of tea. Incredible. I mean, and pheno- I mean, he's a phenomenal, not a, only a phenomenal singer, but a, just a phenomenal performer. So that, that's another example of, like, I liked their content, I loved their live show, really didn't listen to their music all that much but i still bought tickets i still went out right and it's like i still support it so it's like i love this idea of like the music the music is important but it's not the only thing that's important and it's like if you can kind of fire on all cylinders when it comes to like your content your music and your live show you you end up attracting people who like prioritize different things like for some people they're like the music has to be good and then maybe i'll consider a live show or like diving deeper for me it's like um i'll maybe get exposed to the music um through some way but there has to be maybe something else there that's besides the music like maybe the video's funny or maybe a friend recommended it and i saw it and i thought that was funny or something might get my that's how i am too i 
with me, like uh, Caleb will talk about it, could talk about it for hours about how he suggests like twenty different bands. And I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not that these like bands are good, because like I think my mindset more so is like if something I don't like it, I go that person made it for a demographic, and that demographic isn't me. Sure. But it's really hard to capture my attention and stuff. It really takes something like some kind of individuality or like I think you brought up on Ian's thing, like bringing that back up. Um, like out of Throne of Judgment had those studio blogs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that. Like I would watch that for hours on end and the amount of kind of like loyalty and how I felt like them to be like a favorite band of mine stems completely from that. Cause if I would have heard just the music one off, I would have been like, that's cool. And like moved on. But then it's like between that and then seeing them live and stuff like that. And there's like them having an individuality for their band and sort of a lore, like, or as like we've talked about before, like bands building something around it, like almost like inside culture, like inside mm-hmm. jokes and stuff about them, made it so much more for me. And that's really kind of the thing for me. It like, like we, it, it, it like it for me. It humanizes it, right? It's yeah. it's like a music without context for me is uh, um, it's not compelling. Like it for me, the context almost almost matters more than the music there's a lot of like 50 cent songs where if it was just somebody who wasn't 50 cent i wouldn't give a shit but because you know 50 cent has the story of 50 cent i'm like you know uh fucking bump 50 cent right and it's like for me youtubers feel that real hard say that again like where people youtubers mm-hmm. like um nail that kind of thing real hard where it's like people feel like almost into them in a way where it's like um like, say those people who play video games online and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, they do the commentary over it and stuff, and then they also do, like, vlogging and, and content like that. And people feel almost, like, closer, almost, like, a degree of separation away from them as, like, a friend or something. Like, they feel involved or have a stake mm-hmm. in it or something like that. Well, it's, that's why you... That's, do as much. that's why you get guys like Casey Neistat, right? Like, Casey Neistat, huge YouTuber. People send him shit all the time. Right. And like people show up to his office, Gary Vaynerchuk the same way. Right. Or like even guys like Seth Godin, like people will be keyed into your content for so long. And this is kind of the flip side of that uh, podcast, too. Yeah. You hear something about a person and like the behind the scenes and stuff. And it's it's not like with like if you run into a movie star, you're like, oh, and then they, you know, they're almost godlike. You see someone like that. You're like, oh, well, let me see if I can buy him a beer. And it's not outside of the realm of possibility. They might be like, oh, hey, man, want to have a seat for like a half hour? Chill. Like, sure, uh, right. And it, I think it would be really weird. Like, and I've, I'm experiencing this just a, a little bit recently, not at the scale of like a lot of people, but like people just starting conversations with me and already having like talking points. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like people are approaching me like as a stranger. It's like uh, sometimes people will approach me and they've like listened to all the podcast episodes that I've done. They've read, they've been reading my shit for like six months and they're like, Blah 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 blah. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, do we know each other? Like, because you're talking like about, know, a lo- yeah. That's ex- that's kind of how it feels. How you feel in your opinions and seeing your mannerisms and stuff, and just because your content really, like, from what I see, is is you, like, your opinions, just you being you, like those uh, videos you headbang into like metal and stuff like that. Yeah, that's just me. That's just what I. That's what I do in the morning. That's how I get fucking pumped up. It's just like. And that's what like I mean a, by, like, yeah. it, it almost creates, there's only, like, one degree or a half a degree of separation from them thinking, like, oh, that's my buddy or something like that sure. kind of thing. Well, it feels like that because it's, like, you start to build up just these, like, emotional attachments to people, right? Because I, I don't think that, um, I don't think the brain is built for, like, 
this, right? It's it's not built for you and I, or like it's not built for seeing a person on a screen and that person not being actually a part of your life, right? The brain is like, that's another person. And I've seen this person every day for the last six months. So then you build up like a real genuine like familiarity. So it really does feel like, like you know this person because the brain doesn't know any better. The brain isn't like, you know, it, it doesn't know the difference between a person on a screen and a person in real life necessarily, you know. I, what? Something about that content, too, is it's almost supplemental for, like, say there are some people that don't have a bunch of friends or don't go out all the time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when I work seven days a week, like you mentioned at first, like, I remember I would watch that kind of, like, Let's Play shit, and I'd be like, huh. You know, because it's just mm-hmm. people talking and stuff and, like, podcasts. Or, like, while I work, I listen to podcasts and stuff. I'm like, huh. And it was almost, like, supplemental for, like, missing out on a lot of, like... It's like human, ra- human interaction yeah. almost, right? Yeah. Yeah, right now being on third shift and being off and then doing this stuff and everything else like that. Now it's it's all back. But when I was doing seven days a week, that's that was the kind of content I think that really resonated with me. And that's what I think. Like I was trying to make. I think bands don't. I think there's a kind of market for that for bands to really take up in if they can kind of take off the mask of being like fake and being like, "What's up, guys?" kind of thing. Sure. I talk the a band that I think has really done that well recently, and I've talked about I've talked about them a lot is uh, Architects. Like, mm. did, ha, have you paid attention paid much attention to them in the last like two years, eighteen months, two years? Uh, not incredibly. Was there like an Architects like beforehand, like an old old one that was real, like Relapse Records? E. They've been. Let me think. Uh, Architects. I think there were. Maybe two at one point. I could be missing the boat on this. There's like an American one and one in the UK. But they've yeah, also but like they've also two. they've also been a band for like thirteen years. Thirteen, fourteen years. So it's also like I don't know. They've been around a long time. But here's here's the point I wanted to make. Like they put out a documentary recently called Holy Ghost, which I, I suggest you fucking watch it, right? I didn't give a sh- I mean, that's not that I didn't... It's on stuff like that, like DVDs, like pop punk bands and metal bands put out DVDs and yeah. stuff like that. Dude, this one is like, it's the best, um, it's the best music documentary thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's really fucking good. It took me from, like, knowing that Architects was a band... But them not really being a part of my like everyday listening experience. To I bought two shirts and a hoodie, and I listen to them pretty much every day. Now th- the reason is because the documentary they put out it talked a lot about they had a guitar player who died about like two years ago. His name is Tom, right? Um, Tom and Dan were twins. Dan is their drummer, right? So the documentary mm-hmm. sort of outlines. Um, it's a lot of it was like. I think pretty much most of the content was after Tom's death and it was them talking about how they dealt with it, right? Like how the different members like sort of, you know, I mean, definitely Dan, right? His brother, he talked about how he dealt with it. But then also the other members, like the the other Tom had been the primary songwriter for, you know, the entire the band's entire career. Right. So then he's gone. So then the the responsibility then lands on the other guitar player. And he was very honest about it. He's like, it feels like a bad time to be debuting my material, right? The band is like a huge success, and here I am with my debut, right? So you're... There's almost sort of like a cult status, too, with like when someone dies, people are like, you know, 
uh, like Guns N' Roses was a band, and then, you know, they definitely didn't live out what their potential could be, and then it became, you know, what could have been, or like Refuse was like that. So like following up someone dying and people knowing how a certain sound was, being like, huh, let's yeah. see. Well, and I think what made the, what made what made Architects that that documentary so compelling was that they weren't all show face, right? They were honest about it. It was very like vulnerable. It was very like it was courageous, I think, like for them to like go out there and like be just honest and vulnerable. And it made it it, it was such a powerful piece of content. I think it's like 20, 30 minutes long. It's pretty long. But it's, it's beautifully shot, but then just the story they tell and um, how willing they were to just be like um, straight yes. up about how much it sucks. It was really it, it was really inspiring for me. I mean, certainly enough to take me from like being a lukewarm fan to being like fucking, you know, a white hot fan. You know, if they come through like Columbus or Cincinnati, I'll be there. No question. Right. Like, I think they're playing. Um, they're playing. What is that? Sonic is it Sonic Temple? Uh, that, oh, that big festival, yeah, in May in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, so like I, I think they're playing that. So like I'm gonna go to that, and they're one of the big reasons I'm going. Also, Black Dahlia murders there too, and you know. refuses on that too. I want to oh. go to that, but I usually say that, and then I end up somehow, some way, either not having the money or not <laughs> having the availability. I suck at going to festivals. Like I, I just I dislike festivals generally, but sometimes there's enough good bands that I'm like, okay. I'll fucking go. Well, there are some bands that are just festival bands. Mm -hmm. Like, Refuse would be one of those probably at this point. I think they're doing a little mini tour before long, but pretty much there's certain bands that like Romstein, I think, is a festival band. But I've heard that's because people can't afford <laughs> the asking price for them to do select dates and stuff. I would believe that. What a fucking show. Right. I, like, almost saw them in Chicago this last year. Or I think it was last year. And, uh... I ended up, it just, I forget why it fell through, but I was See, like, See, I love that stuff, like, with bands. Like, if, if they, if there's some kind of larger-than-life thing or some kind of thing about their performance, that's where I'm like, huh. Like, I get grief because I like Kiss and stuff like that, but I'm like, did you see what they do? Right, yeah, it's yeah. an actual show, right? It's not just, like, a concert, it's, like, a full-on experience. Well, that's the thing, too, is, like, I... Like, with us, I try to do, the, like, the blood stuff and smash beer cans on my head thing, simply because, like, if I was in the audience, like, whether I read even, like, there's, I've been to shows where I've really, really liked the band, but it's, I get bored really, really, really fast mm -hmm. when it's just, like, playing and stuff. And it's not like I don't appreciate what's going on there, but usually I'm like, <sighs> like, I got yeah. my fill right away. Right, sure. Well, no, it, it, I think, like, I've, um, <laughs> I, I was, I, I, did, have you ever been to the uh, Renaissance Festival? Uh, once long, 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 okay. long time ago. So I went. Like when this, I, was a kid. I went this last year, and it was interesting because it's like, you know, you have people there who are, you know, they're performing, right? They have like these stage acts. They do like juggling or they do like acting, comedy, whatever, right? And pretty much all I think about now is like, okay, how do other like disciplines apply to music now? Doing a you know a stand up comedy act or doing a you know uh, like a juggling act, that's performance, right? So that's very easy to kind of like draw those parallels. So I, I think stand up comedy could go one on one with as far as like live shows. Absolutely, easily. especially like the between the song time. Exactly that. Yeah, because like uh, I see a lot of bands. They're so awkward between songs. 
It's like I'm one of them. Yeah. Well, and I think what you can do to sort of um, supplement that. I mean, you guys, like you said, you guys play once a month, right? Pretty infrequently. Once or twice a month, yeah. Once or twice a month. When we can, so. Do, do, um, are you primarily playing for the same crowd each time, or are they? Is it different? Um, this year it's been kind of lucky that we've we've done Indianapolis, uh, Cincinnati, Kentucky, and then usually pretty much like Dayton and stuff like that. We play Bob's and kind of wherever. Essentially, usually it's it's vice versa. Like if we're on a show, someone's like, "Well, this man dropped off. Who can you get on?" I'm like, "Bundy and the Strings is really fucking fun to watch," or you know, um, vice versa. Or, think so or they've tried to get us on a couple shows yeah uh, but it's been like different like kind of buildings and stuff luckily mm-hmm. which isn't saying much you know it's it's still the same city yeah uh, but it's it's kind of our nature i mean it's i think that's sort of something dustin was frustrated about yesterday which is kind of is only for fun you mm-hmm. know as theory says the, like making the songs and stuff is like the music is our capacity to do anything bigger than kind of what we do, aside from like a one-off or something, sure. is hard. Well, and I don't think you necessarily have to anymore, right? Like once upon a time, and I want to get Drew I, that <laughs> Drew Krieger proved that. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, look at even a band like Bro Job, for example. I mean, they they proved it in a big way too. It's like you don't, oh, yeah. you don't necessarily have to do the like the tour grind, for example, to build up an audience. And in many ways, it's a very bad way to do it now because it's like, it's almost like um, putting up billboards. It's the same kind of idea. It's like you're you're banking on the fact that people are looking or that people are like actively trying to go out to shows when the fact is it's almost like they're um, they're not, right? Like when we I, were... I think also people just want to go out and drink or hang out with their friends or a lot of times I think there's a comfortability in kind of like, I think I call it Netflix culture and like <laughs> yeah. the phone stuff. Cause I'm guilty of it too. Like I'm sitting in my <laughs> nest. Right. But you know, when you can either pirate something, watch it on YouTube and everything else, it's really hard to kind of pull yourself from your house. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing too. Well, the, let me say this. The pressure is on for bands to, to display that like, look this Friday night, you're going to have a much better time coming out to our show versus staying at home watching Netflix, right? And the the pressure is on you as a performer to do that, right? It's not and I think what a lot of bands do is they like they kind of throw their hands up and they're like, "Well, just the audience or the you know, the fans or whatever, right? They suck." So I think they expect the music to be exactly the only thing people should look forward to too. Yeah, uh-huh. I I agree. Hold on, I want to I want to get back to a point that I, because I was I'm going to forget it. So I want to I want to say it. So that what I was going to say, if you suck at between song that like that, you know, like minute or so, maybe 30 seconds to a minute between songs. Um Come up with some type of routine, just like a, a stand-up, just like a stand-up act. You know, a, a band that did that that you and I both know, like the Devil Wears Prada, right? Every show, what what would Mike say? He'd be like, a, you know, I don't want to say this, but I gotta, but you know, because we are the Devil Wears Prada, or he would oh, yeah. say something dumb like uh, uh, Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice, like just like there was always a time in their set where he would just say just something dumb and ignorant, and it maybe that thing would change, but it was always at the same place. So like, that's something that I think you could probably apply, apply is like have times in your show that are set aside specifically for you to do something stupid. Like you, you did that with the initiative. I mean, like, you, oh, yeah. you, well, I, you, I looked out too that we don't have too much time between our songs. Cause they're like eight, seven minutes <laughs> long. 
that, yeah. I've, I usually get pretty toasty up there, so for all I know, I could be doing okay, but at least to me, I'm like, I, I half the time don't know what I'm saying. I think yeah. there was one time, I think someone said something about <laughs> Caleb's dick, and I was like, what's everyone want to name it? And then, you know, two <laughs> or three people say a name, so I'm like, all right, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, that reminds me of seeing, like, have you ever seen the Red Cord live? I have. Uh, what a great fucking band. Slaughter one time. Dude. Uh, Connor Shaughnessy took me. Yeah, Guy, their singer, is so fucking funny. Like, he had the he had the best stage banter I've ever seen. Like, he did, um, they, the show that I saw them, they, well, I saw them a couple of times because I saw them at the attic that one time. But they, they play, they were playing with Suicide Silence. And you remember Mitch Lucker would do, like, that, that body bang thing, but he would, like, flap his arms. Oh, yeah, like their wings. Yeah, exactly. So he's like uh, a guy from the Red Chord. He's on, he's on the stage and he's like, Who here likes Pantera? Everybody's like, Yeah! Then he's like, Who here likes dinosaurs? They're like, Yeah! He's like, All right, now everybody, let's do the Pantera Dactyl. And he starts doing that, like, <laughs> that sort of like bird bang kind of thing. I'm like, That's the funniest fucking thing. He just said, well, like, He used to help me way back. In the initiative was Ryan and Joey were like that. Like they would, we play with uh, Chris and Bobby and them in Promises, and mm-hmm. they would sit there and every chance they got, like poke fun at Chris and jab at him all the time. And yeah. I, I'd be sitting there laughing as they'd be doing the talking. That's hilarious. What? See, I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, he would he would start first song. He'd be a guy would be like, "This is your last chance to dance." Like. <laughs> It's like, dude, it's so, so fucking funny. Pretty good. Yeah. But like, what was great about that is, especially because, I mean, they were playing different, uh, you know, they they were touring, right? So he could literally just like take the same. And uh, recycle. Yeah. Just and the people are there specifically to see him. Exactly. But like, that's what made me, because it's like, you have to find those things that, uh, and sometimes there's stupid reasons for people to like there's... come out to your show. But like. Oh, when I was 16, the little things, like, um, I think. I could be wrong or remembering this wrong, but it was like I think at the Throne of Judgment played. And I think it was that Eric Kemp guy, mm-hmm. uh, the vocalist. Yep, came out and it was like I think he wore like pretty much no shirt and like a thing of chain mail. Yeah, and I was like like a sleeveless, you know, hoodless thing. And I'm like, oh my god! Or yeah. I had a hood for all I knew. He was so funny. Like Eric was so funny because he looked like a like an Abercrombie model. But then he'd be up there and he'd be like, this next song is entitled Martyrdom, the Ruin of Gaia. Yeah. It was just so cool. And he'd be wearing like no shirt. And he was like, you know, handsome looking dude. And he'd be wearing like Abercrombie jeans and flip flops. And he'd be up there just like doing his thing. Trying to hold him back ahead looking like he's possessed by the devil. Yeah, dude. Almost. What a fun band. That's like that Timmy guy from Rose Funeral too. That's, mm-hmm. that's one I think a lot of people try to replicate. And it's not quite to the same level because, at least from what I've heard and stuff like that, he was legitimately like batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's people can smell bullshit, right? And it's like what you have yeah. to do is like you either have to be it or be really good at like faking it. Like, okay, for example, um, 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 um Cody Hale, right? Like the Hail to the King. I don't know if he still did it when when it became Denialist. I think by that time they'd kind of like dialed it back a little bit. But like the time that I really like, uh, the, well, the one time that I saw Hail to the King, Cody was like full on, almost like 
Heath Ledger Joker style, like over the top. He bloody nose and had like the contacts and stuff. Oh, and he's like smashing his head into like the riser and stuff like that. I'm like, fuck, dude, like that's commitment. And I just thought like that was another one of those guys, like one of those guys that I've seen that I'm like that as frontmen and as entertainers and as showmen, like they got it. And I think that that's so cool. That's something that I think is missed a lot of the time with bands is like showmanship. Right. And that's kind of going back mm-hmm. to what I what I was going to say about the Renaissance Festival. Right. There was this um, there was this act called the Kamikaze Fireflies. And it was just like this guy and this girl. And they basically had like a they did all kinds of stuff. They did like some like acrobatics. They did like juggling. He made a sandwich with his feet, like just like kind of weird shit. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there you know, while well, I'm standing there watching it. And I'm like trying to think, OK, what can what can be applied here? right to music and what struck me was if they simply went from one act to another silently it would have been a really fucking bad performance right he's like okay well you know all right i'm gonna juggle these balls okay I'm between do- that, he's sitting there like he's kind of ripping on people dude he's ripping on people he's like interacting with with his assistant like it was like a full on um show the whole thing there was no downtime the whole time they were on which is like i think a big reason why they're doing what they're doing right they're doing this full time touring doing renaissance festivals performing well, I think the thing is a lot of people don't think about too with those kind of things those people get paid they pay do. a lot more than a lot of actual like mid top little level bands like sure. even bar bands too i think a lot of people don't think about it or that maybe they do, which is why they ask everyone all the time, like, yep. what's your pain? It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I talk, I talk with this guy. His name's Charlie. Uh, Charlie Corton, I think is how, how you say his name. He puts on a show. It's a quadraphonic experience where, you know, so you have, like, you have stereo that's left and right. Quadraphonic is you have two speakers in the back. And those speakers, it, it basically is like surround sound, right? So yeah. he puts on the show. The tickets are, uh, like, it depends 30 to 35 dollars or like 45 dollars depending on what they've got going on right so like mm-hmm. he was giving me the numbers man and it's like they, he, he books these um he books these performing arts centers that seat like 600 to a thousand people and he'll pack that shit out and he was showing me the numbers he'll his gross revenue will be like over 10k and he'll um he'll probably have about 4500 dollars as far as like renting out the venue, because he do, he four walls it, so it's like he just pays for the space and he collects everything from the door, right? Yeah. So there's no like there's no promoter, there's no middleman, there's nothing. He just owns the whole fucking deal, right? He hires mm-hmm. the lights, he hires the sound, he does the whole thing. But he knows he has to put in forty five hundred bucks. But because he does it, he gets the big payout of ten thousand, eleven or or more. I mean, he showed me like you know some of the shows would be like up at like fifteen thousand stuff like that, like crazy but he we were when we were talking about it he did it smart because what he was like is he's like okay i he's like i don't want to be another fucking bar band right i don't want to do this and like not make any money i want to do something big right so then he sort of reverse engineered he's like okay let's say if we wanted to um sell tickets for 35 40 dollars what would we need to do to make that happen right and then they built that experience and then lo and behold the people came out, right? And it, and it worked. So it was like, I like that like reverse engineering of, okay, what do we want to happen? Okay, 
Now that we know what we want to happen, how can we make that happen? And I, I think what most bands do is they kind of play it by ear or they do it like accidentally and they just like keep showing up and they keep playing the bar shows, which is fine. Like if that's what you want to do, that's cool. But oh, it's like, yeah. But it's like if you really wanted to make it something, the likelihood that you're going to do that accidentally, I think, is like... Just by playing music. That's the thing. I think a lot of bands just think, well, the music's enough. What else do they want? It's like... Right. A lot more. <laughs> a lot. There's a lot more. There's a lot of, like... I, I play music and I get bored, like, <laughs> watching shows. Right. Well, I think that's something, too. It's like there's this pressure, especially, like, for me, um, and you, too. I mean, like, for you to, like go out to a show and stand there and pay attention. And if you don't, people will call you out for being like uh, pretentious or not staying there to watch all the bands. And it's like, I get it. I get it. But I also don't feel like I have some moral obligation to, especially if I paid for the ticket, like especially if I paid for the ticket, I don't feel some moral obligation to watch a performance that I don't find entertaining just because somebody else is putting on. Oh, definitely. Afterwards and talking to everyone who came and stuff like that. Not say like they're, for us, but they came and then they're like, wow, that was really good, man. And then doing that and stuff. And a lot of times I'm lucky enough that um, if I hit myself and hand head on the can with a beer head, they think I got a concussion or something or like that. Or most of the time it starts the conversation. Are you okay, man? I'm like, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm usually pretty toasty, but I think it's, I mean, there has to be something. I think, I think one thing you have to be kind of fun. You have to do something or someone wants to watch like, what is he gonna do or whatever? Mm-hmm. And you have yeah. to like, you have to almost like, because everyone's seen people do the choreographed breakdowns and stuff eight mm-hmm. million times to the point where it's like, it's cliche. Like, um, you go to some of these shows and you see some of the starter bands. Like, say, uh, I went to uh, what was it, the Bohemian one? Or not Bohemian, uh, the Legend show. And Bohemian was one of the ones I'm like. Yeah, I love watching that one live, and I've seen it before, and Cody is really commanding the crowd. Mm-hmm. But the weirdest thing is about it, because he's such a good showman, like, bands like, you know, I was, and then again, they're not my cup of tea, and I'm not their demographic, but, like, even, like, the actual support bands that were on, like, the package for For the Fallen Dreams, I was just like, boy, this is, <laughs> this is old, Yeah, you know? it's tough, some of it can be tough so to watch. because you've seen all the moves, and you've seen the kind of things, or you've experienced that as a person who's been in bands for however long even well yeah i mean you like you and i have years, like but... guys like you and i we've been going to shows for how long now right it's been mm-hmm. 15 years maybe of like going to concerts and it's like look there comes a point where dude if you're seeing the same shit for 15 years it's not it's it's hard well, to hold your attention to me it was funny seeing vehemian actually be you know between zane playing bass with all five fingers and right um cody doing his cody thing and which it doesn't really get old, which right. is crazy. Which was the wild thing about it, because here's at that show, like I came for Fourth Fallen Dreams and then to see Bohemian play, and I've seen Cody do his thing over and over and over again, and it's still I'm like, okay, like I'm willing to watch it and not, I don't think anything really super judgy of it, but like the bands before them playing, it, and even like I was, that's that was the biggest surprise to me, the bands that played after them, like before Fourth Fallen Dreams, I was like. Mm-hmm. Boy, this is Snoozeville. Yeah, you know, sure. It's just seeing people body bang or look tough. and It's just the same them. shit, right? I mean, it's just the same thing that you've seen at every show for the last decade and a half, which is it's just not very interesting, which is fine. It's okay to say, like, hey, look, man, this isn't this isn't for me. And, no, yeah. you know, that's the big fine. thing. That's, that's like I said, like, right before I said all that, I'm like, I don't see it as, like, 
a flaw on the band's part. It's just I, I've come to realize a lot of times it's not I'm not the demographic, and I'm totally fine with it, kind of thing. <laughs> I, I don't think I, it's content bad or art bad and stuff because everyone's an artist as far as like doing anything creative. Yeah, I I, like, I always like I try I really really avoid making like how do I say it like, like super objective like criticism. You, yeah, how can you make it a, an objective criticism of? Art now. I think with a live show, you have a little bit more grounds for it. Like you could say, like what percentage? What percentage of the notes that you wrote did you play successfully? Like I mm -hmm. feel like if I paid the money, if I paid the ten, fifteen dollars, and I show up and you get, you know, if it, you're playing Guitar Hero, it's like you're playing Guitar Hero, and you get like thirty percent. I can be like, you know what? This really wasn't worth my money. But like out of well, there's nothing wrong with someone having an opinion too. And I think a lot of times, like with websites and stuff and reviewers, it's it's a matter of people respecting that person's opinion. Mm -hmm. But I think is like the scale of objectivity and a lot of stuff. I mean you can sit there and say like watch someone accidentally fumbling around and they can't their pedals aren't working, you're like Ugh, and sure. have that sort of empathy and realize that's sort of a flaw. But like like I said, like Sworn In obviously is like they were one of the bands and they were just kinda of doing their shtick and stuff like that. And someone like me, I was like yeah, that's boring. But then mm -hmm. there's also a bunch of 19 year olds there losing their fucking minds, right? Like, and and that's where I'm like, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you give you give people a little bit more or anything indifferent. I think you give people a little bit more license when you like already like them. You know, mm -hmm. like um, like I saw. Do you remember that band from the Shallows? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Callous of Mankind, and all that stuff. exactly. So like I uh I I saw them once at the Underground. And what was so funny was like, I don't know if there was like a lightning storm or something the day before, but basically like the underground's uh, sound setup was all messed up. I, their mains weren't working. So like uh, what they did was um, their their singer, S Stefan, I think that was his name. Uh, he took his monitor and turned it around. And like then, so he's doing his thing, right? So anybody who's not a fan of From the Shallows is like, Wow, this is a fucking train wreck. But I'm yeah, like, what are they doing? Yeah, but but me watching as somebody who likes them, I'm like, dude, they're fucking making you know lemonade out of lemons. They're doing what they can. I love the band. I support their shit. This is a unique experience. This is more interesting than if everything you know like went off without a hitch. I gave them a little bit more license because I had already like signed up. But you know, if not, if if they're not a party, if it's not a part of your thing, or like you're not the target. You're more likely to be like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, they would really. Well, I think that's a big thing for us is yeah. like, it's not, it's nowhere near like a super professional package or anything like that. It's very much like, hey, we're here to drink and have fun. And I think that's the same deal with us. A lot of people are like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, if they're there in the first place. And I think like the pro the professionalism thing is kind of, I think it's over, like, it's overhyped. Like everybody's like, oh, well, it's very overrated. Yeah, it's sure. like it's like what? I think a lot of it is an act because there was a period in time where it was. It seemed like to me, like when a band would act like they were super professional and they had all their shit together and they're like, oh, we're doing big things. I'm like, man, you're just playing pretend and not like right. a, they're faking it. But like, I I even said it about like myself back when I was younger. Is like, or I I say it now, almost jokingly, is you know, a, a lot of times when you're a local band, even if you're as serious as anything. In all honesty, we're a bunch of grown men pretending we're in big bands. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Uh, and I say that jokingly, not you know calling anyone fake or calling myself. But you know, when you really boil it down and you see like when a band plays and there's 
30 people there and then it but it's made it's been made out to be a big thing it's it comes down to is we're all a bunch of guys pretending to be in metallica guns and roses black dahlia murder whatever i think that's thing. fine like that i i don't know well, I, I, yeah i saw um uh okay brother von doom right okay so mm-hmm. i saw brother von doom play at the attic dude there had to have been like 15 people there total mm-hmm. right so it's like they were pretty much playing for one of the other bands that stayed and the other ones left right so it was like nobody was there but matt smith was up there and he was just he was pretending and it was really funny he was like thank you stockholm and like just being like over oh, the yeah. top well, and really funny that ryan told us all the time like me and caleb and everyone were like we'd go we play shows i think we played like right state and it, it was like one time and it was maybe like nothing it was maybe 10 15 people mm-hmm. but anytime it was like that ryan like this is like six years ago he'd be like Play like you're playing the Olympics, which made no sense, but it was like, oh, like we're in like a giant stadium. Of yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. And that's that's always kind of how I've treated it. I, I never get real too really bummed if there's no one somewhere. I'm like, okay. Well, I just, you know. If you love, here's the thing, dude. This, I, was, I was ready to put a gun in my mouth working seven days a week. This is great for me. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and you got to think about it like this. Like you have to love performing. Right. You, the, the performance has to be the thing. Like the fact that somebody's watching you almost should be a detail because you a lot of the time you can't even control that. So it's like if you bonus. Absolutely. But the, but what you should love, you got to fucking love the act of performing, the act of creating the music. And the the audience you build is just a result of that passion for that thing. Like I get the idea of like wanting to perform in front of a bunch of people. But if that's your primary motivator, you're fucked. Because all you're going to end up doing is chasing trends and trying to play to more and more people. What and you end be up- bitter every time you do something and think something's wrong with you or with everybody else and turn you, turn you into an asshole almost. Absolutely. I think if you, if you stay in the mindset of, I'm just going to do this because I love it. I'm going to do what I can to find other people who love it too. But I'm going to like keep my fucking head in the game and stay grateful for the people who sign up for this thing that I love. Because it's those people who, if I want to take this to a career level, it's those people that are going to make it happen. So staying in this mindset of, I'm going to do what I love to do. Find the other people who love that too and be grateful and honor those people and find ways to serve them in new, unique ways and to... Uh, exceed their expectations whenever I can. Like one thing that I think I probably love about, I I haven't been to one of your shows, but I, she, I should go. But something that I'm thinking that most people don't realize is they show up for a concert, but then you're there like smashing fucking beer on your head. Like they weren't expecting that. So in many ways you have to think about, you know, what are they not expecting? Right. And right. then, and then find ways to do that. Right. In a way that's, you know, feels authentic to you. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's honestly, I mean, for me personally, uh, I can't speak for everybody else or anything like that. But for me, I it's it's just fun going. You know, if we play Bob's, I'm like hell yeah, let's just get fucking drunk and go batshit nuts or play like we did COC, which I mean we got I got real drunk for that one. But that was because I was really stressed out about a certain somebody who books shows. <laughs> but um, but either way, like it's to me it's fun because when I wasn't doing it, like doing the seven days a week working thing, I would go and see shows or I'd go to Bob's with a friend and see a band play. I'm like, motherfucker, that I want to be doing that. Like I, yeah. I love doing that. I think that could be me and I could do it this, this, this way and do it this way better or something. Not like I'm better than anybody performing, but like I would see that and I'd be like, fuck, I need to make that work somehow mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And then I got on third shift and did. And to me, it's, 
I mean, you always kind of get bummed out if, like, something doesn't meet expectations or something like that. You put something out and it doesn't do, you know, a whole bunch of whatever. But to me, everything else is, like, a bonus. Like, we'll, we'll be sitting there before something and, you know, someone asks, are we going first or second? I'm like, I'm imagining first. And that, to me, yeah. is I'm, I'm a skeptic, and they'll tell you they, they can't stand it sometimes. Like, they'll say, oh, it'll be like this. I'm like, I don't know. Right. But that's just me being me, like, it's better to expect the worst and be surprised, you know, pleasantly surprised than to like expect, you know, you know, gangbusters and all this crazy shit and be like, fuck, there's only like five people here. This right. sucks. We bummed out the whole time. Well, it's like, I think it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, if you, if you just focus on doing the work, I had somebody, I, I heard somebody talk about one time, it, uh, it was about writing. Like, it's none of your business, like, if you end up on, you know, the New York Times bestseller list. Like, you can't be thinking about it like that. Your work is just, like, trying to do the best that you can. And then what the world does with that, it's got really not much to do with you. It's none of your, none of your fucking business. Now, there's things that you can do to, like, make it better and to find more of the people who have a higher probability of finding your stuff. But I think, generally speaking, like, as a rule... It makes sense to be like, you know, I'm just, for you almost. Yeah, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to find other people who love my thing and then try to find ways to serve those people. And well, there's like a line in a against me song that really resonates is it's, it's that you can be the bands you want to hear. So like with me, as far as like what I can do, like making music, it's like, well, I wish there was a band that sounded like this. Mm-hmm. And that's always been my way of doing things. Like, I'm, I'm not an instrumental guy by any means. Um, but, like, um, taking with what I have, I'm like, what if this band did this in this way? If, like, the band I have sounds similar, it's like, okay. Um, right. And do you, like, do you ever find yourself, like, you, you, um, you do that, right? You think about the band that you would want to, uh, the band that you would want to hear, and then you start heading the, down that direction, but then what ends up happening is maybe even different than what your expectation was. So then you end well, up in was, a totally new territory. Well, that was us to a T, because I'm pretty sure, um, as far as like us, like the main goal was to be like Electric Wizard. Like, okay. me, Caleb, and Dustin came together like, oh, yeah, that'd be rad to do something like that. Like, my end, personally, I was like, that music's not the hardest to write, and I kind of, at this moment, appreciate how a band can kind of pull as much out of power chords and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But doing it more and more, like, I, I bought a guitar when we first started, and I was like, I'm going to play guitar and sing, and it was going right. to be full-blown just singing. Then the more we did it, it was, like, more southern, grimy and stuff. And then just, like I said before, the mindset being, like, if it works, throw it in there. Let's let's do that. Just and then it just turned it. into this kind of bastardization of all that in, like, I, a good way. Because it's personally, for me, I, I can't speak for the rest of them. Like, um, the last song we just put out, that Demiurge, is honestly ideal as far as like what I want and what I like in a band, like sort of like a southern rocky sound, fast. Then it gets kind of real deep and angry and everything else in between. Like if Norma Jean and Every Time I Die had a baby with Refused and also got real slow and sad, it's like personally that's what I think it sounds like to me. Yeah. So like to me, I'm like that's the band I always wanted to do. Yeah. And what's so cool about that is because there's so many people out there. Like, there are other people who probably feel the same way. You know, there's, like, approaching 8 billion people on the planet. There's a pretty high likelihood that there are other people like you who would appreciate that as well. I think and that... And I'm sure Dustin and them and Caleb and all of them hear it differently, too. Like, hear it differently or somewhat similar, but with 
a different kind of like couple bands in mind that they like or something like that, like things they did on their end, like Caleb hitting the cymbal or the drum a certain way or doing a certain beat. And it's like, oh, that's reminiscent of Bill Ward, like in his head or something like that, or Dustin sure. thinking about Pantera or John really likes Every Time I Die and mm-hmm. Zach likes Black Dahlia and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of where it makes it so different from, like I said, wanting to be Electric Wizard, which is, you know, essentially Black Sabbath 2.0 or postmodern Black Sabbath to what we sound like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, because that was always what I wanted to do forever, was something that sounded like that and then kind of got, fell into like, well, you remember when I first, you, well, actually, recording with you was like the first thing I ever did, anything like that, like meeting mm-hmm. Chris and then him telling me like, oh, I'm just recording a song with Ray. I'm like, what's his number? What's his MySpace? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then that... going and writing the song I did yeah. with you, that was probably one of the only times I've done something super instrumental, honestly. Yeah. And you did drums for that one because I didn't know how to do anything like that. Yeah. But God, God damn it. That's so long ago now. Now I think about that. Like, I would honestly say it's probably 10 years ago. God damn it. We're getting old. Yeah. But from that and then I was like, well, I still want to do like a heavy band and stuff like that. And then I think as like, I tried out for like Wake the Wounded. And then also I was like, well, my friends Ryan and Joey have this band initially. I was like, well. I just got told no by those people in Wake the Wounded yeah. because I sang. They wanted me to scream. I oh, guess I yeah. get the shot there. Yeah. And that's how all that happened. So I never got to do like a full-blown heavy band and play shows as a heavy band. So that's what makes me happy about doing this project. Yeah. Time. You, you get to kind of scratch that itch, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. I mean, I, I, I've always, I, I was, um, I was telling uh, Dustin yesterday, I'm like, you've always been, to me, you've always been that guy who was super clever like you were, you've always been quick and you've always just had like, I don't know, you've been witty, like ever since I've known you, like doing funny shit, like creative stuff. Like for example, like, like I, t- I mentioned to him, like you bringing me donuts. You remember that? You <laughs> bring me donuts and shit. I'm like, that's yeah, so fucking funny. Yeah. You're like, I want to pay you in donuts. I'm like, shit, I fucking love donuts. You're smashing donuts. Was that at my apartment or was that when I uh, had the house? I think that was the first song i ever did with you would have been i think at your apartment like in kettering down by the attic yep i think my parents dropped me off to that so i couldn't tell you exactly but i think when you had the house was when we did other stuff where like i did like where i was sort of scratching that heavy itch with you were doing like thrashy stuff yeah when i was basically trying to be in flames (laughs) yeah 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 that, that's funny, um, so yeah, because that had to that had to have been the apartment then. Were you were you still at L.A. when I was yeah, at the house? Yeah, that that's how I had like I think what was I think like the hundred or like eighty bucks I paid you mm-hmm. to record that song, which I still have actually. Do you really? Yeah. Um, and I was I think it was like Justice and Bobby. Hold on, was I that was, was me that... and you sat down with it first, and then Justice came in, and we went to. I can't, I don't know who the guy was, but I think he had like a home studio or something weird mm-hmm. to do Justice's parts and Bobby's parts and everything. I have no idea. He, he was I don't brown hair. He was a handsome guy. Yeah. I, that's the one thing I remember. He's so handsome. Yeah. <laughs> I was gorgeous. I, I think what it's called, but I mean, it looked like a what he had was like a legit sure studio kind of setup. But I can't remember. It wasn't the guy who did Parallax, was it? No, no, no. This this would have been before them. Really? This would have been time frame probably would have been two thousand nine ish, ten ish. Mm-hmm. Um I can't remember where he lived or how far we drove again, that might have been our parents driving us down there, like me, Bobby and Justice. Yeah. Um 
But yeah, well, the thing was, when I worked at L.A., uh, every night they would have the donuts we'd throw away. Yeah. Like, whatever wasn't bought. Same with the cakes and shit like that. So for the longest time, when I worked there for, like, three years, anything I went to, like, I'd go to, like, Chris and Anthony's and just come home, like, not come home, come to their house with a giant box of it. And they'd be like, what the fuck? Or, like, go to parties in New Lebanon. Hold on. Was that, was that impression Anthony? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. He's playing video games. Dude, hey, you you know you know him um, you know about him like crushing the fucking uh, esports thing, right? Have you seen him over oh, the last few years? Yeah, dude, good for him. That's so right. fucking cool. It's nuts. It's awesome. Especially because someone at his size is nothing to like, like you know, take a blind eye to or anything. Like that's that's an achievement in itself, dude. Like he's a million. I think he's got like a million subscribers, something like that. One point three, I think, last time I saw. Good for him, man. What's so cool about that is that he's exactly the same. Like, it's it's like... Oh, yeah. Dude, I remember him, like, rage quitting and screaming and all that stuff at the, you know, like, just right down there in their living room. And, like... When he lived in Florida, I remember I'd watch it because I'd be like, man, that sucks. He's gone. Kind yeah. of thing. You kind of miss him a little bit. You're like, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to watch him play video games. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him... Um, I saw him, Ronnie was doing one of my, uh, my wife's tattoo. She got a new tattoo on her back. And so we went mm -hmm. down to where, uh, where Ronnie was at down there. And it just so happened that, uh, that Anthony and his girlfriend came in and talked to Ronnie for a second. I'm like, oh shit, like, hey man, how's it going? Whatever. I guess he's mm -hmm. just living in Kettering. I don't know. We, we said we we're going to get coffee. You know how that is sometimes. You say, oh, let's yeah. get coffee and it just doesn't happen, which is fine. But yeah. Uh, when he came back, it was like I think I watched. It was ironic that I watched the video of his that day because I was going to Bobby's, had his birthday thing at like Bar Louie or something, and I'd seen Anthony put his PO box was Dayton, and I was like, "What is he sending his shit to his grandma? What the fuck is this?" Right. And then I went to Bobby's um, thing at Bar Louie, and I walk in, and I was like, "You son of a bitch!" Yeah. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Thing. He looks and good then, too. He used to be fat. Now he's like, he just looks like he's strong as crap now. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, now he looks good. With about him is when I got in a car wreck just recently, like this year. Mm -hmm. um, it was on my way to his house because my ex and then our friend were dating, and they were actually all over there. So when I was dropping Quinn off, I was going to drop her off there to like her, mm -hmm. and that's where I was on my way to when I got in that car wreck. Damn. Yeah, it was like on Stroop or something like that. Right when I was like about to turn and just. What somebody like run a red or something like that? Yeah. Someone oh, ran red. That I sucks. Ran straight into him. I hate that. I hate that. That driving terrifies me because of that. It's not because like I mean I drive like a fucking grandma, but it just takes some idiot running a red light and fucking ruin my whole day. You know. Right. Especially when you have a kid in the car too. I mean you're oh, automatically. Give me flack about driving. It's not even because I'm like crazy. Anything. It's because I drive like a grandma. They're like. Yeah. You drive so that's why corrects get started. I'm like I'm just trying to watch out for me. Right. <laughs> I'm just trying to not die, man. Like. Right. Cut me some slack. You have no idea how like dangerous being in a car could be. I mean, even like just driving back roads, two lanes, two cars coming at each other, coming within five feet of a fucking head-on head-on collision. That would just be like hitting a brick wall at 120. Like, dude. Well, the thing is, too, between speed, it could be you get hit by a 70 mile per hour car and live or die, or you can get hit in like a 25 mile per hour crash and somehow people die kind of yeah it'll mess up yourself you hit your head on the window or something it'll mess you up 
Mm-hmm. You know, you see that all the time. Like I've got, you know, like I've got buddies who like they like to fight, right? So and I'm I, and I'm telling them, I'm like, dude, you got to be careful because you never know. You hit somebody, you know, they could have like an aneurysm or something. You went. <laughs> you ever watched Con Air? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful because it's like, you know, you see, it's funny, like how different people are because it's like some people can take a fucking beating, right? And they're good. But one person gets clocked in the head and they're fucking dead. And you never know as somebody who's like maybe even instigating the fight, like who's the get clocked in the head and die guy, right? And it doesn't even right. matter as far as like anybody's concerned. You killed that guy and you're like, wow, uh, I did not expect him to die. I should not have but done this. Well, I know. I get busted between the nose and something happened. And my bone goes in my brain or something like that. You just never, be shit at blood. You never know. You got to be careful. You got to be careful yeah. out there. It's like it's like YOLO, right? It's like I, what the Lonely Island had that song. They were talking YOLO, like you only live once. But, they're, but they were saying like, so be really careful. It's like yeah. you only live once. Like, oh, it's funny. Okay, man. Well, I'm. A, I'll let you go. I know you. Get, you probably got to get some sleep today, and I got, all right. I got shit I got to do. So, word. Well, man, it's good fucking talking with you. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it was more more like a conversation, like catching up. But still, yeah, it was fun. That's exactly what it was. There was some good shit in there, and I, what I'll what I always end up doing is I'll take uh, I'll find the really really like actionable bits in our conversation, slice it up, and people will eat it up. The likelihood that somebody will watch this like full hour long. I forget how long we've been. I'd, have, I'd imagine it had to be an hour because I think we were supposed to, like, it was 6.30 was when we were supposed to do it. And I think we got started on, like, 6.40-ish. Something so like, like that. About an hour. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like, uh, like Joe Rogan's podcast, right? You've got, like, the three-hour thing, the three-hour thing, and then you've got JRE Clips, which is, like, three minutes. And I think the JRE Clips, a lot of those will probably have more views than the uh, videos themselves. Because, like, people oh, yeah. watch a three-minute like video. And everything, too. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go. All right. It was good talking to you. All right, man. Likewise. Take it easy. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.